Peace, family, and thank you for tuning in to Understanding the Nursing Game podcast. Many people are looking for financial help while in college. I would love to present the Thelma Lee McKenzie Nursing Scholarship. It was designed for nursing students at the University of South Alabama. You must have a 3.0 GPA and have graduated from a high school within Washington or Clark County in the state of Alabama. If anybody have any more questions about this scholarship, please call Rebecca Baker at 251-341-3721. Uh, yes, we back again, family. Uh, this is Barry Coleman on Understanding the Nursing Game podcast. Today is a very special day. We have a, a young gentleman that's going to help lead us out of darkness into the light financially. Uh, I'm actually looking forward to this interview. I've been on a financial freedom journey for about the past two to three years. And before we get started, I want to do the quote of the day. All right, quote of the day. Financial freedom is our only hope. Forget living rich and die broke. Can anybody guess who said that? I think that's the first time you didn't use Malcolm X. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Oh, yes, that's uh, Mr. Jay-Z, the one and only. Um, I remember hearing that back in 2017 on that 444 album. And ever since um, I heard that lyric, man, it's always stuck with me, so... Um, I, I just wanted to uh, give a shout out to him for introducing uh, financial freedom into my life. And ever since then, I've been trying to I've been trying to get to that 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 place in life. To be honest, uh, it's it's hard it's hard trying to get to that point just due to all the hurdles and unforeseen circumstances that come come in life. But um, that's why we got Mr. Derek Murray. On for today, he's gonna help navigate us from the land of bondage into the the land of freedom. Also, I will be joined by Miss Britannica and uh, Dr. Alexis, um, along with Miss Lydia Barnes. So uh, we we'll all be chiming in and asking this uh, young fella, how can we uh, achieve financial freedom? And so, with all that being said, Mister Derek, uh, can you tell everybody? What you do for a living, man, and how you save nurses from uh, financial destruction? <laughs> no, absolutely. Again, my name is Derek Murray. I'm a certified financial planner, born and raised in Atlanta, Georgia. I've had my financial planning practice underneath the umbrella of Northwestern Mutual for eight years now. And one of my special specialty areas has just been working with folks in the medical field, and that is dentists across different specialties, MDs across specialties, and also nurses across diff- different specialties. And when when it comes to financial planning, it's really ranging from foundational things like budget planning, cash flow planning, debt management, to the more complex things in terms of risk management, wealth management, retirement planning, estate planning as well. So our big thing is is as we meet people, really try and be able to meet you at your level and be able to get an understanding of 
where you are, what you're looking to do. And if there's any way we, we could help, that's how we form our relationships. Okay. Okay. Um, Mr. Dare, I got a question for you, man. Uh, let's just say for, for instance, Mr. Barry, he has a, uh, credit score of 523 and he wants to buy a house. What would be your two year plan to help get this fella into a house? Yeah. I think the, the, the first thing, I mean, when it comes to credit, you got to figure out, I mean, what's the, the source of your, your credit, right? Is this, you got a, a car repo five years ago you ain't telling nobody about? Is, is this you got evicted? Is this you got behind on some medical bills? Is that you, you got some high credit cards or, or whatever it may be? So I think the first thing is, is certainly always figuring out, okay, what is the source of our bad credit, if you will. And once you figure out that source, it's like, okay, how how can I turn that around? Certainly getting debt paid paid off help, helps that. So being able being able to get get that debt paid off and then also really re- realizing okay, what things can I do to improve my credit now? So keeping a, a healthy balance or being able to get associated with someone uh, as a as a sub user or on someone's credit card who has good credit being able to call the credit agencies and dispute some claims get some of the things taken off of of your credit so again first thing is figuring out what's the source attacking that source and then figuring out hey all right in two years how can i reverse this as as i'm looking to build up my savings to be able to get a house okay there as far as a house, what's a good percentage that um, a person could put down? What's a percentage that you would encourage them to put down? Um, I have some kids that I I would like to get in a stable uh, resident. So um, I was just wondering, you know, what percentage I should put down for a house? Well, I mean, right now, with the interest rates being extremely low, right? So... Right now, I mean, we are in a historically low interest rate environment, which what that means is is not a great time to do bond style investing, but it's all but it is a great time to borrow money because folks are, are able to get interest rates at three, sometimes two and a half, two point seven five percent. So since you can get such a low interest rate and lock that in for, for 30 or so years. It is more advantageous of you to put down as low as possible, right? So if if you can put down three to five percent, I recommend putting down three to five percent. Now, certainly, it depends on the size of the home, and then it depends on what type of loan you're you're doing, because some of them have different requirements on what you have to put down. But I, I would tell you, in this interest rate environment, to to try and put down as 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 the lowest amount as possible. That way you can invest the rest and you have the opportunity to make more dollars there. Okay. That's going to lead me to my next question. When you say investment, what exactly are you are you referring to? Are you talking about stocks? Or are you talking about investing into another company? What exactly are you referring to when you say investments? Yeah. Well, it, it's, it's one is all of that. And, and it's depending on what you're looking to do. I think one of the first things you got to figure out when you talk about investing is your purpose of that investment. And then number number two, your your time horizon, 
in terms of when you expect to use these dollars. Because if you're investing money that you're going to need in two years versus money that you're not going to need to 15, 20 years from now for retirement, you're going to invest those dollars completely different, right? So the longer your time horizon, the more aggressive you can be because you have more time to be able to ride the waves of the market. So when the investing we do for our clients are, are, are mostly mutual fund, index fund, ETF base, but then we also do some individual accounts one in, in our bigger portfolio, some individual holdings in our bigger portfolios as well. Okay. Okay, Dan. Um, do we have any questions before I go back? I don't want to hold the whole platform. Go ahead, somebody dial in. I have a question. I heard you say that um, a way to build your credit could be to get on somebody else's credit card. Does that affect the person whose credit card you're on, like if they start making crazy purchases, does my credit score now go down or do they factor in their credit history with mine if he's on my card? Well, two, two, two parts of that question. Number one, the, the way you do it is that you add them as a authorized user, but you send the credit card to your house. And once it gets there, you cut it up, right? Because they're not supposed to use it they're just piggybacking on your credit but even if you did that and you cut that credit card up from them being an authorized user on your account if they went and got their own credit card and they ran up the bill or anything no that does not affect your credit but if 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 you did allow them to use that card that you got and they ran it up and didn't pay the bill. Yes, that can affect their credit. So that's why that's not what you do. I have my younger sister and my older brother as authorized user. And I, I just set it up and sent the cars to my house. And when they got there, they cut them up. I cut them up. So it's it's not for them to use the cards. They'll get a piggyback on what I do, on me using my credit cards monthly and being able to clear balance every month versus them actually using the cards. That makes sense. Does it matter where you live, like demographically? Because somebody had asked me to do that when I was living in California. And I didn't know if it made a difference on like the zip code or part yeah. of the country. I don't, yeah, I don't believe so. I mean, I don't want to say what 100% certainty, but I believe the answer is no. It doesn't It doesn't matter where you are. Okay. Thank hey, you, Dr. Derek. Hey, Dr. Yeah. Lacey. Mm -hmm. uh, who are you trying to save? Who, who, uh, hey, who credit, who credit score you trying to raise up? I would just like to say I'm delivered. I've made some poor decisions in the past with some of my little man friends, but I'm glad that I learned <laughs> that I did not hurt myself. So amen to that. Thank you, uh, Derek, for this information. <laughs> That's all right, Dr. Lisa. We all fall short. I was just, uh, I was just checking to see, you know, what you got going on. Any other questions? So to clarify that, you say add them as an authorized user to don't bear, don't do that. Add them as an authorized user to your credit card, but not actually have them give them access, but that would help boost their credit score. Correct. So yes, yeah, so you would add them as if the person who has good credit adds the person who does not have good credit as an authorized user. And as long as that person is good credit, continues that behavior and continues to use their credit responsibly, the person who is an authorized user will be able to benefit off of um, their credit. 
Okay. It's it's not anything that, that it's not a booster overnight. It's one of those things mm-hmm. that you do Little in thing. conjunction with everything, right? You right. still got to do all the other stuff. You still got to pay off whatever debt you have. You still got to try and dispute some of the claims, but also jumping on as an authorized user can help as well. Question. What's a good way to um save some money for my kids? They're both six and five years old. So what's a good way to set aside some money for them to go to college with? Yep. Yeah, I think the big thing first is set, I mean, the goal, right? And have an understanding of what you want to do. Right. It's like, hey, some parents say school is completely our responsibility for them. We're going to pay for it for as long as they go to school, if they get a doctorate. Some parents say, hey, no, I'll just take care of undergrad. Some parents say, hey, no, they're going to be on their own. Right. So first is always figuring out what the goal is, what you're planning to do. And then there's many options of opportunities to be able to save for it. Um, you can open up a, just a regular bank account in your, in your kids' names to be able to throw money there. The most popular plan for college education is the 529 plan. And that is when, when I have clients who do have a goal of helping their kids with college education, that's where I go first because they get an enormous tax benefit by doing that plan. Because once you invest money in 529, all that earnings and interest that you earn in that investment account, as long as you pay for college education, you're able to use that tax free. Also, in some states, such as Georgia, you get a state tax deduction on the money you put in. So there's a possible triple tax benefit to where you can deduct the money you put in, you can grow it tax free and still be able to use it tax free. That's very unique. The only other place you can get a triple tax benefit is the HSA, where you conduct it, invest it, grow it tax-free, and still use it tax-free. So I always tell folks, first and foremost, look at the 529 plans, because that's the most efficient place to start when it comes to college education plan. Okay. Okay. Um, I got another one. Life insurance. Okay. Hey, man. Uh, you know, what's your opinion about life insurance, man? I, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm from the country. As you probably can tell, a lot of a lot of black folk down there they ain't got no. They don't have any uh, life insurance, or if they do, if they don't have to uh, develop a GoFundMe when they die, they have to. Uh, they go ahead and um, they ain't got nothing but like ten, twenty five thousand. Go ahead and speak speak on that, man. If you don't mind. Yeah, no, I I definitely think life insurance is a big need and a must. Absolutely. When you have kids and absolutely when you have young kids, but period, I mean, they're they're absolutely at a minimum needs to be something there for transition costs. But when you have young kids, you have a family that's saying, hey, you there you have a certain human life value, right? That whether it's your kids or your spouse benefits from you financially while you're here. And all we want to do with life insurance is make sure that some of that continues, right? Not the entire thing, because contrary to popular belief, you cannot get more life insurance than you're worth, right? So there is there you actually cannot make people richer if you die than if you are here, right? So the thing is, is, hey, life insurance is to make sure to some level, your family, your beneficiaries those who depend on you 
are able to continue within a certain lifestyle or a certain level of comfort if something were to happen to you prematurely. So absolutely a must. All right. Hey, is there a way for me to um, set it up to where, let's just say in the event that uh, that a dad or mom dies, is there a way for the parents to uh, set it up to where the kids don't get it until they like uh, 18 or 25 or later on in life? Yep. So that that goes with just a little bit of estate planning with an attorney to set up a trust to be able to do to set set that up because yes you 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 certainly wouldn't want to give a million dollars to an 18 year old all at once right so what you want to be able to do is dictate when and how they can use the money but you're going so how are you going to do that so that's what a trust does a trust is basically directions for funds so if something happened to you you put the, the trust as the beneficiary and then the trust gets the million dollars. And then the trust says, all right, when you graduate from college, from undergrad, you get $200,000. When you turn automatically, when you turn 25, you get another 200000 et cetera, whatever, however you want to do. Hey, you're able to get $12,000 a year for 10 years, whatever it is you want to do to make sure that the dollars are used responsibly, you can do that by setting up a trust. And this is really not just for myself, but probably for the listeners is for people that are not financially literate or from communities where people have a level of distrust of banks and financial professionals. And so they do DIY projects basically, right? They try to figure out themselves. Can you talk about resources or demystify some things that you you find when you do get clients that are uh, misunderstandings of the financial institution or things that we don't do that we should do if you could just highlight on any give us any nuggets yeah first thing they should do is is clear their url for whatever they've been googling about distrust around how folks take advantage of of banks or whatever it is because (laughs) In most cases, that that's not the case, right? We all know that, yes, historically, minorities have been disenfranchised, and we know the story about the GI Bill and all of that. But from where we are today, we are, at a, at a certain extent, protected based on the law, based on whether it's investments, whether it's banks, or whatever it is. So what I would tell that, that person is to just become knowledgeable into how do you take advantage of the system and make sure the system doesn't take advantage of you, right? And and, and we have the glorious World Wide Web and a, a great person created YouTube and there's millions and, and millions of videos around content, around how to invest, around what a stock is, around what a bond is, and really gain that knowledge. That way, when you do go sit in front to, to a banker, you're telling them, what the case is versus them telling you what the case is and also a financial advisor as well. So you said that you can't get more money than what you're actually worth. And it's a good idea to have um, a life insurance policy, especially if you have dependents, because they would obviously be dependent on your income. What if you don't have children? What if nobody is directly benefiting from your salary? Who would be somebody that you could leave your policy to and 
let's say you left your policy to, I don't know, your mom, you know, somebody like me who doesn't have kids and can't leave it to a dog. I would leave mine to my mom. What if my mom and I died in an accident together? Where would my money go if she was my beneficiary? You can, you can give it to me. Um, not too bad. <laughs> Boy, bye. <laughs> You That's could leave it to your dog if you, if you put it in a trust. But in terms of, you just have to name a trustee. But in terms of like your beneficiary, because that, that question does come up a lot when it is spouses, right? Because typically you have a spouse, you go on vacation together. And sp- most times your spouse is your beneficiary. So if something happens to you at the same time, where does the funds go? So number one, you have the opportunity to set up a contingent beneficiary which that's exactly what that is for is a secondary beneficiary. If your, if your main beneficiary is not there to be able to claim those funds, if you did not set up a contingent beneficiary, then the funds will go to your estate. And then some, whoever is are able to claim your estate is, will end up getting those dollars. So let's say you put your mom on there and, and not even want to don't even want to say it but something happened to you guys at the same time and then the funds go to your estate you had a you have a sibling it's going to fall somewhere at some point it's going to fall to a sibling may fall to a brother or a cousin or whatever it is those dollars will fall somewhere through the estate process so to the, it's the state um, probate uh, process if you haven't set up the proper documents that makes sense. I'm just trying to figure out how the dog gonna spend the money. If I leave it to them. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like you have like <laughs> just, just going with this crazy scenario, you would you would be able to put the money in the trust, but you would still need to name a trustee. So what most people do when they have young kids is they'll put the money in the trust and the kids are the beneficiary, but they still name a trustee, which a lot of times the attorney may be the trustee. So if you wanted your dog to be the beneficiary, you could still have an attorney as your trustee and your trustee by law has to spend the money for the benefit of the beneficiary. So your dog would just be able to eat very (laughs) high end um, meals, I guess. (laughs) Thank you. I was just going to ask, are there different kinds of life insurance policies and what would you recommend for nurses who are maybe just starting their career, maybe nurses who have been nurses for some time? Um, what are our options? Yep. Well, there's definitely many types of, of life insurance. I wouldn't tie it more to where you are in your career, but more where you are with just life in general in terms of family status and where you are. So there's regular traditional life insurance term and whole life term is temporary. You can get it for 20 years where you're renting the coverage. There is traditional whole life where it's just meant to have a permanent death benefit. That way, even if you made it to age 100, there's there's death benefit there. And then there is more cash value structure life insurance or company corporate structure life insurance or bank-owned life insurance where you can actually use the insurance as an asset to be able to grow dollars for retirement, grow dollars to fund a business, become kind of your, your, your own bank or however you, you want to be able to use those funds. Because once those funds are underneath the umbrella of the life insurance, you're able to grow up tax-free 
and you can access that capital tax free as well. So that's different types of universal life, variable universal, there's index universal, there is overfunded whole life. So there's a lot of different ways of doing the plans, but it's really about understanding your cash flow, understanding where you are in life, understanding your other assets to determine what's the best plan for you. Gotcha. Thank you. What are the biggest mistakes that you see people do or make whenever they come in and talk to you? I would say the, the biggest mistakes is, is just waiting until it's too late or waiting until they messed up to come talk to somebody. Trying to just do things on, on their own, whether they lost some money in the stock market or just or and it may not be they, they lost. They may. I mean, I had a, a call. With, with someone who just had their money in cash for the last six, seven years. I had a call with somebody who had their money all, all in the bond portfolio and wasn't investing. And they could have made hundreds of thousands of, of more dollars over the last 10 years or, or, or so, depending on how they could have been able to invest. So I think the biggest mistake I see is just waiting until it's too late or, or trying to do things on, on your own, waiting till you mess up to come talk to an advisor. Same same, same thing uh, as, as waiting till you're actually sick or waiting till your, your leg's about to break off till, till you go to the doctor. True, true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they sure do. Okay. They want you to fix them. Been dying for 10 years. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so then my question is then, it's not necessarily a crazy question, but in our field in nursing, I mean, there's a lot of people that come back into the field. They, they retire and they come back. Or there's mm-hmm. people that use this as a second career. So they're much upper in age, but they're making a transition from being a teacher to a nurse. But typically, traditional track, a lot of nurses easily could have done a two-year program or a four-year program, and they're in their early 20s, right? If they do traditional track, most nurses are 22, 23 years old. What advice do you have for those traditional nurses on tips on what they should do initially? Yeah, I think the the thing is just start wherever you are, right? So, yeah, you may not be making the same as someone who's been doing it for five, 10 years, but a percentage is a percentage. Start the, the your, your first goal is try and save 20% of, of your income. Right now, you may not be able to get there up, up front, but make that your goal and, and be tracking to, to get there. The other big thing, sometimes I, I run into folks where they've been with a job four or five years and their 401k has matched and they hadn't put in since they've been there. So make sure you're taking advantage of the benefits that your employer is providing you, such as the 401k, at minimum put into the match. And, take advantage of the disability insurance, the life insurance, because it's all going to be very, very inexpensive since it is through employer. So really just start wherever you are, build a budget, save what what you can and make sure you are taking advantage of the plans to your job and putting in at least to the match to the 401k. So I would, off of you saying start where you are, Mm -hmm. a lot of people tend to um, come out with debt, especially minority, first generation graduates. A lot of people didn't have family members that saved up for them and, and things like that. So should they have to choose between saving versus paying off their student loans? Or do you think there's a, a happy medium? Well, I mean, there's always the opportunity cost, 
right? And, and you got to look at that. Hey, if I got $500 left over a month, should I save that or should I put that towards the loans? Well, it's the opportunity. It's like, okay, my loans interest rate is 8%, but if I invest it, I might can get 10%. Or my loans interest rate are 4%, but if I can invest, I can get 10%. Or you may have private loans where you're looking at 12, 15%. So you got to look at the interest rates and figure out, okay, what is your opportunity to make the most bang for your buck? Can you make more money than the interest rate you're paying for the debt? Or is it more advantageous to put more towards the debt? But what we do try and do is help folks typically find some type of medium of putting money towards the debt and saving because you do want to try and do both at a, at a meaningful level. Oh, thank you. Hey, Mr. Derry, I just got my, my stimming back, man. Hey, what exactly do I need to do with my money that would be financially smart? Yeah, well, I, I think definitely if you find yourself with some credit card debt or something, try and take a huge chunk out of that, if, if not, get all of that paid off. Um, I think making sure your debt is down. I think looking at have, making sure you have a sound emergency fund, right? You typically want three to six months in cash. So it may be, hey, let's just park that to, to the side in case the bricks go out in case the, in case the roof leaks. Yeah. And then you, you want to try and invest some of that for, for, for the future. You may want to throw again, 20, 30% of something in an investment account. Let, let that sit ride. But then also, if, if there are some, some, some things you've been looking to do, as long as you, you've taken care of those other necessities, if there is a, you need a new car or down payment for a home or something like that, again, I think the big thing is try and make sure you're building more assets than liabilities. So I certainly wouldn't blow it. But as long as hey, you, you focus on your debts down, got an emergency fund, invest some of it. And then you want to have fun with some of it as well. It's warranted as long as you get those things done. So what you're saying is I can't go to Magic City then? Well, uh, once That's you get no. your credit cards paid down. <laughs> no, no. Tell them no. One, mm, once you no. get your emergency fund set up, <laughs> you got your retirement fund going and you on track. You got your 529 plans for your kids. Hmm. You got your life yeah, insurance. You got sounds your disability like no. insurance. <laughs> and if at that point you got some little something left over, <laughs> that's, that's gonna be enough to park to your do car with it. That's it. You and ain't gonna be able to get a hotel. To do with it, <laughs> and there you go. <laughs> All right, y'all. Hey, last as they say in the club, last call for alcohol. Anybody else got any more questions? Uh, we're going to try to get this fella out of here on time. We're going to do like most black folks do at church. We're going to get there late and leave early. Ooh. <laughs> I rebuke Tell that. the truth. Tell the truth and shame the devil, okay? That's right. Well, all right then, Mr. Derek. I guess we're going to try to get you on out of here, man. Um, I would just want to tell you, tell you um, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule. Um, I learned a lot. I don't know about anybody else, but um, I learned a lot. Um, I learned for one day, uh, Miss, uh, I mean, uh, Doctor Alexis, she need to put me down as uh, one of her beneficiaries. That's one thing I learned. Also, um, if somebody wanted to get in touch with you, man, um, how could they get in touch with you? You see, you sound like a um, 
an intelligent man and um and a good person, a good financial person to have in in somebody's corner. So how could they get in touch with you, man? Yep. I mean, many ways. My first of all, my number is 404-952-0457. You can Google Derek Murray, financial advisor, I'll come up. Derek Murray, Northwestern Mutual, I'll come up. My Instagram, I think, is D Murray. Deep M U R R A Y underscore C F P. And yeah, LinkedIn's Derek Murray, Facebook's Derek Murray. So whether it's social media, just reach out to me directly either way. All right. We're going to go ahead and try to wrap this up. Um, I just want to tell everybody thank you for tuning in. Um, we This has uh, been a, a great episode. We're going to have to have uh, Mr. Murray on again, especially when it comes tax time. Um, you know, so he can educate everyone as to what you need to do with your refund money. So I just want to tell you, thank you again, man. And uh, for everybody that's li- that's uh, listening, just go ahead and download the episode, listen to it in its entirety, share it with others. And guess what? Hey, you've been locked into another episode of Understanding the Nursing Game Podcast. <laughs>